as we get into uh, God's word this morning, I do want to thank you for something that you didn't know you did. Thank you. Yes, you're, you're very welcome. What did we do? That's very similar to what uh, dads do at Christmas time when their kids open their presents and they say, thanks, dad. And they say, you're welcome. Honey, what did we get them? <laughs> That's normally how it goes, right? But no, I want to thank you because thanks to you and the way that you have supported uh, this church, the way that you have uh, provided for us, you obviously provide for me and my family. Uh, you also take care of the two physical buildings, this particular building and the one over at the Parsonage, our house where we live. And thanks to your generosity, we were able to replace and update the refrigerator that we have. Now that may not be very exciting to you, but it's, it's very exciting to us. Uh, back at Thanksgiving, we bought a fridge on some Black Friday sales, got a great deal on one. Um, you know how it is when it comes to refrigerators. Um, you can kind of listen for when it's time to uh, make the switch and make the move. You know, the motor starts to get a little bit louder. It starts to run a little bit more often. It makes some kind of chugging, wheezing noise that's not unlike an iron lung sound when it starts to get to the end. And... From all of my research, from what I've been told, the best time to replace a refrigerator is before you need to get a new one. You need to replace it before it dies so you can save all of your food. So we ordered that on Black Friday. It came just a couple of weeks ago on, I think, December the 16th. And uh, we were able to get that installed and all our food in there. And to this day, even yesterday, Krista and I were talking about, man, the organization in this fridge is way better than the organization in the old fridge. It's got room for things, and we can put things in the door, and it's got a pull-out freezer on the bottom. It's got an ice maker in the bottom, and we can, we can just do so much more with this fridge. This is fantastic, and we absolutely love it, and we thank you for that. And the reason I tell you that story, besides a way to say thank you, is just to demonstrate how much we love it when we get new things. The new has come and the old gets pushed about. We don't miss the old. The only thing that I regret about the old fridge is that it's still in our garage because I forgot to pay for Holloway services. <laughs> so we still need to do that. And it's tucked away in a corner and it may stay there until the return of Christ. I don't know, but... Um, who knows? The, uh, uh, the fridge is away. But we love it. We get excited about new. We don't miss the old, right? And that happens every time this time of year that we don't miss the old year. We're excited about the new. We're excited about the possibilities. And especially this year, we're excited to get rid of the old and to welcome the new, right? We can't wait to see 2020 crawl into a hole and pass away. We can't wait. No one I know of, no one I know of has said, gosh, I'm going to miss 2020, right? It is interesting to me that 2020 has actually taken on a life of its own right? 2020 now has a life on its own. It's, it's interesting because if we have a bad customer service experience, what we will do is we will say, oh, can't believe it. Amazon or oh, Target. 
you know, I, I wanted them to take this exchange, this Christmas gift I got that I really didn't want, so I go and return that. I want to give it back, but I, I have a bad customer service experience. We kind of go, oh, that's Target for you, right? We are actually saying that about 2020, that as things happen to us this year, we are saying, well, that's 2020 for you, like it's an organization, like it's a person. It's taken on a life of its own. We can't wait to get rid of 2020. Everyone is excited to see what 2021 can have. There's a greater level of anticipation than normal. Most of the years when we change our calendars, we spend some time where we want to look back and see how the year went, and then we think about what is it that we want to do in the upcoming year? What are some things that we want to accomplish? We don't want to even look back at 2020, do we? We just want to say, okay, that was like a, a hiccup in the uh, space-time uh, continuum. We want to just delete it, forget it ever happened, and just kind of say we skipped from 2019 and we went to 2021. Which, uh, 2020 is just a wash. Let's everybody not talk about it. It'll be like it never existed. But here's why that's dangerous. I think some good things have happened to us, and I think some good things have happened to Churches, I think some good things have happened to Christians over 2020. Because God is a God who prunes. He likes to trim off dead branches on his vine that he's growing. And he wants to give new life to the branches on that vine. So he trims away the old in order to encourage new growth. And hasn't that been the case? Haven't we had a chance as a, as a group, as a church, to rethink who we are as a church? What is it that we're really trying to accomplish? Are we more than just meeting on Sunday and a fellowship dinner once in a while? Yeah. We've discovered that we're better together. We've discovered that we need each other more than ever. We've learned some amazing things about 2020. But that doesn't change the fact that... that um, 2021 still is giving us some excitement about getting something new, getting a new opportunity, having some new goals, having some new things that we want to accomplish. So I do want to encourage you this week, as much as a pastor has the ability to mandate something in your life, <laughs> right? Zero, none, nada, zero. Um, as much as a pastor has a chance to do that, I want you encourage slash mandate that you ask this question this week going into next Sunday. What would make 2021 a great year for you? Not just a better year because of what we're comparing it to, but what would make 2021 a better year for you? Maybe it would be a, a new job, a better job, a raise, a, a home, a, a mortgage-free home. That, that'd be great. What would it be? What would be something that would make 2021 a great year for you? And as you think about this question, I want to talk about some principles that you need to keep in mind as you think about what would make 2021 a great year for you. As I already said, I think one of the things we need to do is look back as well as look forward to. And there's a reason why we cannot ignore 2020, no matter how bad it is, because we have a tendency to overinflate our own role 
in how things went in a year. We're certainly responsible for many of the things that happened to us in our lives. But there's a principle that you and I need to understand that helps us set goals well. And it kind of starts, I want to just kind of introduce the topic in this, in Psalm 90, verse 12. There's a verse written by who? Do you know who wrote this verse? Not David. Although David wrote many of the Psalms, this was not a Psalm written by David. It was written by a man named Moses. Moses wrote this Psalm. Moses, you remember, of course, accomplished a couple of things in his life. He only wrote the first five books of the Bible, according to most scholars. He led the people out of uh, slavery from Egypt, through the desert, through the Red Sea, all of those trials, all of those plagues, and all of those miracles that they experienced, and led them to the edge of the promised land. And before he was able to enter into the promised land, he died. So the man was able to accomplish a few things, was he not? Absolutely he was. And he wrote this verse in the middle of a psalm. And we'll kind of capture a little bit of what the whole psalm says a little bit later. But I just want to show you this verse. He says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Why would someone as accomplished as Moses make this reminder as a song of worship to the people of Israel, to the people of God? Because we have a tendency to think of the future as unlimited opportunities. We have a tendency, you and I, to say we can do anything we want. The sky's the limit. The future is yours. But Moses says, actually, you only have a limited number of days. And as we look to goal planning for 2021... I actually know that you only have 365 days or less, right? You only have 365 days. What are you going to accomplish in 365 days? You already have now set a limit on what you wanted to say, here's all the things I can possibly do. And Moses says, you can't because you don't have time. Meaning this, don't waste your time chasing things that don't matter so that we gain a heart of wisdom there are things that are worth doing dedicating our time to and there are things that are not and we can confuse ourselves saying that this is worthwhile because of this is what it does this is worthwhile and this is what it does And it turns out to be a waste of time. So how do we know as we shape our goals for 2021, how do we know the wise things to do in making our long-range plans? What are we going to do for the next year? What are we going to accomplish in the next year? What do we want to change? How How do we want to do something that's different, that's better, that's improved? If we only have 365 days, what will we do? Well, if you have a Bible with you, I would love to invite you to turn with me in them. We're going to have the verses on the screen for you, but that's easy. Follow along if you can in your own Bible so you can make some notes. We're going to be in James chapter 4. James is writing to a scattered group of people all around the known world. Scattered Jewish believers in Jesus Christ. 
and some of whom, most of whom, are under intense persecution simply because they follow Jesus Christ. They've lost their jobs. They've lost their social connections. They have nothing left. But some have actually managed through this persecution and have some opportunities. And James writes to them and says this in verse 13. Now listen, you who say, tomorrow, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city. You can tell this wasn't written in a pandemic. Today or tomorrow, we will travel to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. And James pulls no punches when he said why he says that's foolish to say. Foolish to think and foolish to plan. Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? Think the full picture of everything you will accomplish from birth to death. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Now, it seems harsh what James is saying and writing, but I think James loves his people and knows his people well, and they know him well, that he's able to kind of cut through all of the social niceties when you don't know people well, when they're not really family, and just basically says, cut it out. Stop this. This is immature thinking because only God makes long-term plans. You see, you and I, we have a tendency to think about what we can control when it comes to our goal setting. And we don't have as much control as we think we actually do. And the way that we plan is that we often say, this is the outcome. This is what we want to control. This is what we want to see done. We want to see this result. So we make plans like we have full authority and control of the outcome. But in reality, all we have the ability to do is to choose to put into practice some things that might help us get to the goal, but we don't know if we're going to get there or not. You see, all we have is choice, not guarantee. All we can do is make choices. We cannot make guarantees. That's the amount of authority that we have. Now, we confuse choice with making guarantees, we confuse choice with having authority. We fight for it in this country on a regular basis. We fight about the concept of having the ability to choose whatever we want to do, whenever we want to do it, no matter what. That is the sense of freedom. That is the sense of power. And James says that's not true because you can't guarantee outcomes from those choices. So just recognize that. Even when we stand up for the ability to choose, we think that will make us free. Let's be real. How much authority do we actually have? James, in strong words to his people, because he knows them, he loves them, they know him, they love him. In no uncertain terms, he says that is evil thinking. Be on guard against this kind of thinking in our ideas on our authorities because the ability to choose does not mean the ability to guarantee. It's dangerous and it will lead you to a place 
where you find yourself surprised when the outcome comes along. Um, my, five, uh, my, my wife and I uh, have been looking at a book uh, called uh, The Four Disciplines of Execution. Uh, we've talked about various different goals, and in that book, they talk about the idea of lead measures and lag measures. Lag measures would be something like, I want to save up uh, $5,000 in an emergency fund. But that's just the result. That's the outcome. And so in order to get there, you make some choices that'll do that. You say, every week I'm going to cut out this kind of spending. I'm not going to get a Starbucks coffee on the way to work. I'm going to think, uh, every time I want a coffee, I'm going to take that money and transfer it over. And that's how I'm going to save up and get to that point. And in the process, the four disciplines of execution recognizes that you can't control the outcome of whether you'll have the $5,000, but you can control the choice Every time you think of having a Starbucks coffee, I'm going to take that money and transfer it over to my savings and put it away and forget about it. You can have that choice. And over time, you get the results that you want. That's similar to what James is talking about here. We cannot control the outcome. All we have control over, over is our choice. We can't control the weather. We can only respond to it, right? That's why 6 o'clock every night on all of the local stations, after the first lead story of whatever it is, immediately they're talking about the weather. Here's a quick thing that you need to know, and we'll talk about this in more detail later. And then later in the, in the broadcast, maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes in, there's a whole segment just focused on weather. And we talk about what's happening down south and out west, and what's happening in northern Canada, as if it's just one giant weather system in Canada coming down to attack us. And then... We talk about sports, maybe, and then we come back from sports, and there's another quick hit about the weather, something you need to know. We talk about it all the time because we know we can't control it, but we can control how we respond to the weather. We can't decide what our money will do when we invest it because we can't control the markets. All we can do is decide that we're going to invest. That's the kind of attitude that we need to have with our plans recognizing that our plans, all we can do is make choices, but we cannot control the outcomes. Only God controls outcomes. Now, this doesn't mean that our choices don't have impact, right? But think even in a bigger, longer picture. How much impact are our choices actually going to make on society 50 years from now? A hundred years from now, one of the greatest inventions that we've seen in the last few years, couple of decades, has been the invention of a cell phone, an iPhone. Do you think that will still be impacting us in 50 years? Or will there be advances in telecommunications where cell phones will start to look like telephone booths that used to be on the side of the road that you'd put a quarter in? To make a call and you'd have to say, I'd like to make a collect call and the other person on the line can, you know, accept or deny the charge or decline the charges. Those things will all disappear. Think back to when James was writing to all of those persecuted Jewish believers. And what they were being influenced by, by a Greco-Roman culture that was very paganistic in its lifestyle and belief. How much are you influenced directly today by Greco-Roman culture? 
Well, unless you're on college campus and you're part of a fraternity or a sorority, probably not a lot. There may be some building blocks that have been taken and advanced and developed further, but hardly any of those things have long-term effects and impacts. And that's why James says you are like a mist. We think that our decisions are going to have eternal, worldwide massive impact on their own and James says that's simply not true because you cannot control that only God controls the future now we do have a level of authority it is our ability to choose it's less than our ability to shape the future and simply more that more about our ability to respond to it because James goes on and says something really fascinating in verse 16 as it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. In other words, when you decide that you're going to do this or that, and here are the outcomes that you're going to produce, you are playing God. And I know from personal experience that I make a poor God. And you know from personal experience that you make a poor God. So don't play God in your goal setting. You don't have that kind of control. It is arrogant to try and say that you have that kind of control and this is what you will do and this is how you'll get the outcome that you want. And that kind of arrogance is what ruins the world. So James gives us another way to respond. He says in verse 17, if anyone does, knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So what does he mean by that? What he's simply saying is that God is doing good in the world and we have an opportunity to build our lives around doing the godly good that God has prepared for us. We're told in scriptures that God has uh, prepared good works for all of us for those who belong to Jesus Christ, that he has prepared good works, opportunities to be a part of his great plan. James says, build your life on that plan. Decide what your response is going to be to God's plan. Are you going to do godly good or your own version of good? What is it that you want to accomplish? Let me flesh this out a little bit. Basically, this is saying that we should make room for what God is doing in our lives and in our relationships. James is giving us an evaluation tool for the way that we are living our lives. And instead of asking, what do I want to accomplish next year? In that framework, change the framework to say, what kind of godly good do I want to accomplish next year? What godly good do I want to accomplish next year? Let me give you a couple of examples of some things that have worked for me in the past. One thing you could do is you could take something like uh, the fruit of the Spirit uh, from Galatians 5, or you could take uh, the list of what love really is in 1 Corinthians 13, and you can make that a bit of a, of, of a plumb line, a, a level, to see how am I doing in these areas in the character that God wants to produce, and how can I do better at that? If the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace, how can I be more loving in 2021? Not just, I'm going to be more loving in 2021, but how? 
And then watch for opportunities to be more loving in the way that God defines what love is. How can I be more patient in 2021? How am I doing with kindness? How did I do in 2020 with kindness? Especially to those who didn't vote the way I did. And how can I be more kind to them in 2021? It's a level to check and see if we are being transformed. Because the purpose of God is not for us to do things, but to become like Christ. It's not about doing, it's about being. And we have a choice to respond to what God wants to do and what He is going to accomplish and all of the promises that He said were being fulfilled in Jesus when He was born, all of the promises that He said were fulfilled at the cross and His resurrection and the promises that He's made through the Holy Spirit in His church and what He's doing around the world and then the end will come. We can be a part of that by doing godly good and by frameworking our goal setting for 2021 to say, what do I, instead of saying, what do I want to accomplish, to say, what godly good do I want to do? What godly good is God calling me to do? And I want you to know, just in the same way that James loves his people, I want you to know, uh, in the way that I love you guys, is that this will cost you. This will cost you personally, it will cost you relationally, it will cost you vocationally, it will cost you in your hobbies. It will cost you financially to do godly good in the world. But good things always come at a price. If we never sacrifice for doing godly good, what good was it? It always comes at a price. So James is saying as we make plans, to make sure that our plans fit correctly into God's plan. What is God doing? What is God doing through Scripture? What is His plan for the world? And where do I fit in that? And how do I become more of a part of that in a way that I'm being transformed to be like Since God is in control, make plans to live by God's plans. As you sit down in 2020, uh, as it wraps up, as you think back to your character, maybe you take those lists that we talked about, about the fruit of the Spirit or what love is, and you look at, is that me? Would that describe me? Maybe you talk to some close friends or your spouse. And you talk about, is that me? How can I, where did you see this happen? Did you see this not happen? Pray through that and start to make your goals, goals about who you want to become rather than what you want to accomplish. That's the kind of goal setting that says, if it is the Lord's will, we will do this or that. Because it recognizes, that it recognizes just like we've been talking about, in our Son of God series, which we'll return to in February, that there's a bigger plan than ours, and God is inviting us to be a part of that plan. And as we set our goals for what we want to accomplish, let's go ahead and put them in light of God's plan. So you want to lose 10 or 20 pounds over the 2021. 
How does that fit into God's plan? How has having that extra weight cost you ministry and cost you character transformation? And how can you change? If you do want to save money, why? How does saving money fit into God's plan? How does getting out of debt fit into God's plan? How does having that kind of of baseline of of having some resources allow you to fit more into God's plan of sacrifice and generosity. In other words, don't just save it. What do you want to do with it? And those are just two areas where we can begin to say, God, I have plans that are things I want to accomplish, but I want them to fit into your plan for me. So help me know how I can make goals that make my plans fit into your plans. Live by your plans. So goal setting is something that I think every Christian should do because no Christian should stay stagnant in their faith. Growth in Jesus Christ never happens by accident. So what is it that you will do how will you respond to God's plans and God's work in order to make your plans live by God's plans? Here's a couple of guides, guiding questions or guiding statements, I think, principles that kind of summarize what it means to set goals. So this is the, my, my version of this this uh, set of scripture rephrased for as a guide, as a guide to set New Year's goals. Here they are. Because God is the one who has control. My goals for me must fit into God's goals for me. The rest aren't worth my time. The rest aren't worth my days. And second, I will choose to do what God says is good for me over what I believe is good for me. I think those are the two principles that we must have at the core, at the foundation of setting goals for 2021 because it encourages us to look back no matter how bad and awful and horrific 2020 is and look forward to what 2021 can be, can be without making 2021 all about us. How arrogant for us to say that 2021 is the year of my success instead of saying 2021 is the year of my transformation. It's not about what I'm going to do, but it's who I'm going to become. May our plans, my goals, fit into God's goals for me, for us. Will we choose to do what God says is good over what I believe is good? If you don't know what that will is, that plan is, if you're unsure what God is doing in the world, then let me, again, encourage you to sign up for the 40 days of prayer that will begin next Sunday. We'll be talking about God's holiness, our own sinfulness, our need for repentance, what repentance is, how to be right with God, and how having that basis of a relationship begins to restructure, reframe our priorities to be about what God is doing in the world. So if, again, if you need help signing up for that or if you don't have the capability to get emails on a regular basis, connect with me this week uh, and I'll be happy to make sure that you get 
uh, all of the things so that you can participate and get in on this early. Because my goal for 2021 is to see God do an amazing thing in our city. And I want to be a part of that. I don't know what our part is. Because I think God's been doing some pruning here in our church. Some pruning in me that has been preparing us and me for 2021. The question is, will my plans, will our plans fit into God's plan? May it be so. Because God is the one who has control. My goals for me must fit into God's plans for me. And I will choose to do what God says is good for me over what I believe is good for me. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, as we come to this moment, again, we ask your Holy Spirit to open our mind, open our hearts, and may he be the only voice who is speaking to us right now. No matter where we are in our relationship with you, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us about making plans and goals for 2021. Recognizing that all we can do is react to what it is that you want to do. And so I pray, Lord, that you would reveal that in us. That you would begin to convict, confront, comfort, and change. So that we might yield to your plans. We don't have the control that we think we do. I pray that you would forgive us for the times when we've tried to exert that kind of authority and outcomes. And I pray, Lord, that you would make us conscious of what it is that you're doing in us and around us and help us to join you in that. And we will give you all the praise for what you have done this past year as you've pruned us and how you will change us sanctify us to be more like Jesus this upcoming year for the rest of our days. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.